This episode of the Movie Musical Shakedown is brought to you by Shutterstock. Shutterstock is a leading global technology company offering a creative platform for high-quality assets, tools, and services. This company licenses images, video, music, and editorial assets, as well as custom content tailored to a brand's needs. Learn more today at Shutterstock.com. You've got talent. Let's see what we can do with it. You're gonna make me believe that you belong on that stage. Dancing on that show is my dream. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Movie Musical Shakedown. I am your host, Mr. Chris Peterson, founder, editor-in-chief of Onstage Blog. So glad that you're joining us today. I cannot believe we are this many episodes into this podcast. I am so, so excited that we've gotten this far, and we've only scratched the upper, upper, upper surface of the movie musical treasure trove, as it were. So plenty of more of these coming soon. Don't plan on stopping anytime soon. And today, we are doing a a pretty interesting podcast, to say the least. We are doing Hedwig and the Angry Inch, the 2001 cult classic, to put it mildly. A movie that was made on a $6 million budget, grossed $3.6 million in the box office, but has since become one of the most beloved movie musicals of all time, sparking definitely the... Broadway revival from a couple years ago, and truly has gone on to become, I think, one of the best movie musicals of all time. If we're thinking just critically, it's it's an absolutely incredible piece of filmmaking. Absolutely outstanding cast. John Cameron Mitchell is a genius, and you see his genius throughout this entire film. It was written by him, uh, based on a story by him and Stephen Trask. Stephen Trask, the composer of the film uh, as well, giving some great uh, great little compositions, if you will. Outstanding supporting cast. Andrea Martin, Michael Pitt, one of the most underrated actors of his generation. And I mean that seriously. Miriam Shore reprising her role from the Off-Broadway musical as well, the original production. But, I mean, this movie is 92 minutes long. It's not a long watch at all, but it's an outstanding watch. And... As you will hear in today's podcast, I think we'd say this many times, a film that's definitely ahead of its time, I think broke down a lot of barriers, opened up a lot of minds to where we are today. So I think it deserves, I think, 10 times more credit than it probably gets, even from its devoted fan base. And um, yeah, no, it's just an outstanding, outstanding all-around film. And today, I've got a great guest co-host with me, super fan, to put it mildly, I think. Mr. Anthony Logan Cole, who I was very, very lucky to get on this podcast because he's seen this show, I, I mean, a lot, 
I think he, he says the exact numbers in the podcast. He's seen it a lot. And he's watched this movie a lot. And, you know, he's he, I, I would call him an expert on it. So I definitely wanted to have someone of his expertise on this podcast. And I was really lucky to get him literally walking from, I think, one rehearsal to another. So if it sounds like he's sitting in Bryant Park in New York City, it's because he is sitting in Bryant Park in New York City while doing this podcast. So that's I was able to kind of catch a free moment with him. But I definitely wanted his input because I feel like he has some really great thoughts on the project. So we're going to take a quick break, of course, as always. And uh, when we come back, I'm going to be joined by Anthony Logan Cole. And we're going to get this thing going. But we're going to break it all down. But first, of course, as always, here's the trailer. Ladies and gentlemen, whether you like it or not. Ow! Hedwig! Don't you know me, Kansas City? I'm the new Berlin Wall. Try and turn me down. How did some slip of a girly boy become the internationally ignored song stylist barely standing before you? Damn, I can't believe you're not a girl. Looks like we got some sugar daddies in the house. You could give me a cavity, honey. Now you're interested, huh? Inch. Not it. It is clear that I must find my other half. But is it a he or a she? Can two people actually become one? One day in the late mid 80s, I was in my early late 20s. Never knew that woman before that night, and I never knew she wasn't a woman. I've got a sweet tooth. Songs exploded out of us. We were outgrossing monster trucks in Wichita. When it comes to huge openings, a lot of people think of me. I had tried singing once, and they threw tomatoes. So after the show, I had a nice salad. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, both of you. And the angry is. When I think about all the people I have come upon in my travels, I have to think about the people who have come upon me. And we're back. And I am now joined by... I mean, I, I guess I could call you a, a super fan, I guess you could say, of Hedwig. Uh, Mr. Anthony Logan Cole, how are you, sir? Hi, hello. How are you? Doing well. I'm so happy to have you on this podcast today. This is fantastic. Oh, I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I mean, I'm, I'm talking. It was interesting. Like you and I have been kind of talking about doing this podcast for you know a couple of weeks, couple of months, and and you had kind of circled Hedwig as the one that you wanted to do. Um, so I just want to kind of start by asking you, like, what is your history with this musical, with this movie? Tell me, tell me everything, man. Tell me the whole story. I, you know, I came into it very late. I, I had been familiar with some of the, the hits from the show 
you know, having sung cabarets and concerts here in New York for a long time. Uh, but I didn't actually get to see the show until the Broadway, I guess what they called a revival, uh, but the Broadway production that happened uh, a couple of years ago. Wow. Um, and I saw it and I wondered to myself, why have I not explored this before? And then I kind of, what I call fell down the Hedwig rabbit hole of uh, watch the original production, um, the the downtown off-Broadway production, listened to various performers who had done it, finally came back and, and saw the movie, uh, and then saw several of the the various headwakes during the Broadway run, because they all brought something different and uh, unique to it, and uh, then ended up seeing the tour as well. It kind of all, it all spiraled because it's kind of a lot of things that I love in one show. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, it's funny. I didn't get to see it with. I didn't get to see the original um, off Broadway production. I didn't get to see it with Neil Patrick Harris. I didn't get to actually see it till with Michael T. Hall, and that was actually a lot of fun uh, because I thought he did a just a phenomenal job um, on that end. But um, yeah, it's a really interesting. It's an interesting musical, and it makes for a really interesting movie. Um, as well, what were your what were your initial thoughts when you first saw the movie? You know, I was I was very curious to see how something like this translated to film, because what Hedwig is at the end of the day is it's a cabaret show. You know, it is really one person with a band on stage, telling stories and uh, comedic bits and singing some songs. Um, you know, there isn't a crazy strong narrative arc to it uh it's an experiential piece so i was very curious how it was going to translate to film but knowing that it you know it was done by you know john cameron mitchell and stephen trask and you know their team and they brought back the broadway you know they brought back miriam shore and you know i knew that it was going to be good i just didn't know how different or similar it was going to be and I was very surprised how true it stayed to the stage version yeah. of, of the show. I mean, the performances in it are just absolutely incredible. I mean, from John Cameron Mitchell to, like you just mentioned, Miriam Shore. Um, and then a really nice turn from Michael Pitt as well, who is is one of the more, more underrated actors in my lifetime. And it's really, ni- it's really nice to see him in this film as well. I thought he, get, he did a great job. Oh, yeah. Some really, really beautiful moments and I think embracing what the show is and the genre that it lives in and creating these kind of early MTV uh, music video moments for a lot Mm -hmm. of the numbers is a really wonderful way to to explore it because otherwise the show is fairly static yeah you know um the off-broadway production which you can find all of professionally filmed on youtube uh, and if you haven't watched it, I highly recommend it, um, is is brilliant. But, you know, he's sitting on a bare stage with a band and there's a door in the back and that's about it. Mm-hmm. You know, the Broadway was able to dress it up a little bit with this premise of being on the, the set of Kurt Locker, the musical, which gave a little bit more spectacle to the show itself. But besides that, the premise of the show is is fairly stripped down and the way that they were able to change that into a more visual medium was really interesting. 
Really interesting. Yeah, no, it just, it flowed really nicely, even though the flashbacks and the animated sequences are great, by the way, um, in this as well. So, yeah, no, they, it really did flow nicely. And I think, you know, we've seen a lot of these movie musicals where, you know, they don't translate necessarily well to the stage. But with this one, it, it just really, something about it really, really clicked, which I really liked seeing. I mean, I think that at the end of the day, you have to remember, or I also have to remember that John Cameron Mitchell is Hedwig in every sense of this, you know, uh, storytelling Mm -hmm. um, that no one tells this story better. Yeah. And I think that being able to direct it, being able to create um, this film the way that he wanted to do it, I think is what makes it work so well. Definitely. Definitely. Well, let's let's move on to our categories because I definitely want to get your thoughts and some picks on on your end. So the first category we have uh, are called what what I call dusty room moments, where you know we get to these emotional points in these movie musicals that sometimes make us laugh, sometimes make us cry, but definitely give us some goosebumps on the way. But any any dusty room moments for you watching this film? You know, uh, I think this is the first time that during Origin of Love or right before Origin of Love, they directly address the abuse by Hedwig's father. Mm -hmm. It's it's very glossed over in the show. It is an offhanded comment that's made that I think each performer that I've seen has been able to either let it really gloss or or let it be its own like little moment, Mm -hmm. but it's never addressed as directly and expressly as it is in the movie. Yeah, definitely. It was very glaring to kind of see that um, early on. You know, one of my, one of my big picks was uh, the ending midnight radio. Um, Uh, Just that, just that whole sequence. I I don't know. Like I've never really been moved by it um, as much as I was watch rewatching the movie uh, the other day. And uh, just a just a really just emotional, a cathartic type of ending, and it's just it, the, it's absolutely beautiful the way they filmed it. Uh, and I agree, and I think that that um, the stick figure anim- animation that goes with it uh, really the symbolism is so strong in this film, um, and I think it's really really beautiful, especially the moments of um, Miriam Shore, you know, as Yitzhak with the wig, you know, all of that that symbolism is so evident and clear uh you know in the film adaptation definitely definitely did you have any other moments that that kind of made the room a little dusty for you yeah uh i mean there were so many i think uh (laughs) i i feel very affected by this material uh i don't know entirely why because not a lot of it relates to personal experiences that i had but you know, I guess the story of just an artist trying. Yeah. And the the fake it till you make it experience of of it, you know, has been it the the whole film touches me, but those are like the particularly big moments. Definitely. Um, Definitely. No, good, good, good picks on that end. Um, moving on to our next category, I mean, we know that sometimes with these movies there are some uncomfortable things, maybe things that might have not have aged so well. And in, in with this movie, 
um, I, I like to call those yeesh moments where you're just like, ugh, I don't know how like that plays as well as today as it did then. Did you did you find any of those moments throughout this film at all? You know what? Surprisingly, not. Yeah, I felt the um, same. Um, there are moments that make you uncomfortable, but they're intentional. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and they're you know they're addressed. And so, I mean, I guess that this film was way ahead of its time. Oh, totally. You know? Yeah. And I think that that's why it has aged so well is we are still just catching up to this, to this story and mm-hmm. to this level of intense, honest, provocative storytelling. Yeah, you're hundred percent right. It's one of those, like when this came along, I mean, you know, the thinking about not only like, you know, trans issues, but I mean, everything that this movie talks about and deals with, yeah, we were just kind of at, you know, beginning to really discuss uh, as well. So yeah, I, I was actually the same feeling. I was like, you're 100% right. The uncomfortable moments are supposed to be uncomfortable. Um, I, I didn't find anything that was like, you know, yeesh or anything like that. So it, I think it worked really, really well on that end. So yeah, no, no yeesh. And particularly speaking about, about the trans issues is I actually have a, an interesting experience with that in the show. A friend of mine who was transitioning, uh, we had been talking about musical theater and shows that were, were, were going on uh, on Broadway. And I was like, well, let's go see something this week. And Hedwig came up and she said to me, uh, I, I um, really don't like Hedwig. And I was like, oh, really? Particularly this production, because uh, Hedwig should be played by a trans performer, and they have never hired a trans performer. And I I was like, "Uh, okay, um, have you seen the show? And she was like, no, I have not seen the show. I said, okay, will you go with me to the show? And then, if you still feel that way, let's talk about it. Yeah. And so we went, we left the theater. And I said to her, I said, well, what did you think? And she said, uh, okay, Hedwig, not a trans character, uh, does not need to be played by a trans performer. Mm. Uh, which I thought was, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in everyone is very much entitled to their, to their opinion, but I really, really believe in, you know, educate, ed- educated conversations. Totally. And I think that the ability of, like, being able to see the show and then be able to, you know, reassess versus what you, you know, you read on internet message boards. Um, is so, it's so often the case. There are so many beautiful shows that, like, get torn apart online by people who have never seen it. Um, and I know that the revival of this caused a little bit of a stir in parts of the online community. And it was really, really nice to be able to, you know, be witness to a conversation between trans artists that I knew about Hedwig and is is Hedwig a trans character? Is Hedwig not a trans character? Should it be exclusively played by trans performers or, or not? And, you know, there are lots of folks with a lot of varying and, and different opinions, but it's really nice that a show like this, you know, continues to bring forward those kinds of conversations. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Great, great point all around. Great point all around. Moving on. I mean, Anthony, we know that sometimes these movies don't always solve all of our questions. That, you know, mysteries are not always solved. Questions are not always answered. So I call these lingering questions where if you came across something in this movie, wait, wait a second. What about that? Or 
I have a question about that. Did you have any lingering questions about Hedwig, or does it kind of like tie everything up for you nicely for yourself? I mean, um, the thing about Hedwig is that uh, there are so many lingering questions, and that's kind of the point. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, almost nothing is addressed, which I think is is wonderfully beautiful about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they do a better job of exploring the the Tommy Gnosis plot line in the film than they do in any stage production. Definitely. Um, I think you understand that relationship a little bit better. You know, I think that it's that that is a little bit clearer and some other things, you know, from the show get sacrificed to allow more of that plot line to happen. But I think it works very much for this medium. I I 100% agree. For me, the ending is very wide open. I mean, that last shot of you see him walking in the alleyway, I'm like, wait, what is going on? But it just just brings up a lot of great questions that I think, to your point earlier, makes for a really great discussion about this movie. And I think that there's so many different opinions and so many, you know, and I think each performer who gets to do the role interprets it differently. When I saw Darren Chris do you know, Hedvig on, on Broadway, I was like, he seems a little, a little young mm-hmm. to, to be playing this role. But when I saw it, the ending had been spun so that it was Tommy Gnosis the entire time. Really? Oh, right. Because he, he was the right age for Tommy Gnosis. And so they played it slightly differently or it came across slightly differently. And I think that that's one of the, you know, the beautiful things about it. But yeah, so many lingering questions. And honestly, for the sake of what this piece is, I hope they're never answered by anybody. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I love it. I love it. Well, folks, we know that with these movie musicals, you know, four areas need to be kind of firing on all cylinders for it to truly be an outstanding movie musical. And that, of course, is the singing, the dancing, acting, and design. And Anthony, what we like to do on this podcast is go through each category and just rank one through ten. One being the worst, ten being the best of what we thought about each category. So I'm going to start with you, my friend. Uh, with the singing in this movie, how would you rate that one through ten and why? Ten? Like, more than ten. <laughs> it, is, it is a vocally difficult score mm-hmm. um, it is sung to perfection by this past and I think that well, especially you know if when you have you know the composers and the musical director still part of it you know they preserve that sound and that storytelling so I think uh, 10 out of 10 vocally me too. Me too. I mean, just I mean, there's just something about the way that John Cameron Mitchell sings these songs and um, just the, his stylings, his power. Uh, it's all over the place. And we see it a lot with a lot of the other performers that have taken on the role, too. But when, you, when you've got the original in there um, and you hear, kind of hear these songs the way that they were supposed to be performed, there's just something very special about that. So, um, yeah, I, g- I gave it a 10 as well. Dancing is a little weird because there really isn't any dancing in this movie. So did you even give it a rating? I, I kind of put it as non-applicable. I, I also put it as not applicable. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of, of good hip action going on. Oh, of course. Yeah. Some fun arms, <laughs> you know, um, but like, yeah, not, not so many like sweeping, you know, uh, ballet numbers in, in this particular film. <laughs> exactly. Um, how about the acting? how did you feel about that? Oh, 10 out of 10. 
Yeah, me too. So raw. And, you know, I think one of the weird, beautifully weird things is, you know, besides when Hedvig is, you know, a little boy, John Cameron Mitchell plays Hedvig at all other stages of life, whether it's 17 or 25. Right. Without any kind of extra makeup, they just kind of throw a wig on him. And it's very clearly, like, wrong. It's intentionally wrong. It's intentionally jarring. But the emotion of every scene is so clear. So good. Yeah. No, absolutely. He. It's just, it's such a great, well-acted movie. And he's, he's surrounded by great actors, from Andrea Martin to Michael Pitt. It just left and right. So when you've got cast like this... Um, that are so committed and so devoted, um, it, it really does show in the final product. So, yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. 10, 10 out of 10 for, for the acting. How about the design of this film? What did you think about that? Uh, costumes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Um, I mean, it's, it's spot on for that kind of glam, punk, late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm underground scene and also the cinematography is just gorgeous it is Uh, it's a gorgeous movie there are so many um very clear moments that like i guess that there are so many that they're you know going back and rewatching it there are some really beautiful moments that i had forgotten um hedwig is playing this weird festival out in the field you know with a, a a stage on the back of a pickup truck Mm-hmm. Just kind of offhanded shots and gorgeous. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the costuming is just, it's iconic at this point, I think. I mean, we, I think when you see that the wig, the, the costumes, I mean, you just know that it's Hedwig. Um, I also, I mean, just, yeah, you're right. The look of the film, it's got that both glamour and also griminess to it as well, which I just, um, I really, really like seeing. Very atmospherical uh, type of film to watch on this end so yeah good good stuff all around i i adore i mean i think one of the things that i adore the most about this is i was curious how they were going to set it because you know obviously on broadway you're in this broadway theater with this set from this show that just closed downtown they were literally like in a cabaret with like people sitting at cocktail tables you know i was like how are they going to set this up and the whole idea of Hedwig playing these, like, what really equates to, like, an Applebee's or, like, a Red Lobster <laughs> right. in all these towns. And these shots of these disinterested patrons trying <laughs> to eat their food throughout the entire movie. Just, I love it. It's phenomenal. I love the one where they're, they're like, singing and literally the salad bar is blocking their view. And, like, oh. <laughs> oh, yes. It's fantastic. Fantastic. Um. All right, so let's move on. So we know, folks, that with these movie musicals, when they're especially when they're adapted from stage, we get some changes in the score. Some songs are added. Some songs are taken away. Um, so I like to call this section numbers that we needed, numbers that we could do without. And if you've only got like five minutes to watch this movie, what are you going to fast forward to? So um, this is actually an int- pretty interesting movie because, you know, it, from looking at it, it doesn't it doesn't look like anything was necessarily cut from the uh, stage version to the film version, but looks like a lot of stuff was added to it. So did, did you did you see anything that was cut from the original musical to this? Um, just some stuff. The uh, Yitzhak wig plot line. 
Oh, you're right. Was was cut. Um, uh, what else? Um, oh, uh, Long Grift was cut. Oh, you're uh, right. Yeah. Which is one of my favorite numbers, which is like the only moment of sadness that I had in the film. I was like, oh, no, where's Long Grift? But like those were those are the big elements. And I think the special thing about Hedwig, the stage version, is it is a cabaret show. There is so much room for improv. Right. And each, you know, actor gets to make it their own and jokes get changed. You know, I got to see you and Morton on the tour in in Philly. And, you know, they wrote all these Philly specific jokes for that city, <laughs> um, which is great. You know, each Broadway Hedwig was totally different, um, you know, had their own jokes and and things. So, like, a little bit of that, like, live, personal kind of off-the-cuffness was missing from the right. film, but I don't know how you would have been able to do that unless you were just filming the stage version, which still wouldn't be wouldn't be the same. But like, exactly. those, were the only, those were the only big things that were missing for me. Good stuff. Um, Good stuff. How about anything? Would you cut anything, numbers that we could do without? No. Yeah, me, <laughs> me neither. It's a 90-minute <laughs> movie musical, like... Um, I just I wanted more. I could have done with another hour more content. <laughs> I mean, I'm a you know I did Les Mis for five years. I love long musicals. Like mm-hmm. I could live in that world forever. You know, both as a performer and as an audience member. So I could have done with another hour of Hedwig. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. How about if you've got like what number are you going to fast forward to? If you've only got like a quick second to watch this thing. Um. I mean, you have to do Origin of Love and then skip right ahead to Wig in a Box, I yeah. think. Because those picks. are just such iconic moments. And then that the cinematography in Wig in a Box is just so good. You know, it is a standalone music video of its own. It really is. It really is. Yeah, no, this movie is like, it's tough to find. Like, if I've got if five minutes to watch this movie... I might not even just watch it. And I'll just wait till I have more time. You know, it's like, <laughs> um, but I, I love Wicked Little Town. That's one of my favorite sequences yeah. Um, as well. So, yeah, no, you just it, this movie just has highlights left and right, which are just so fun um, to watch as well. So craziness, craziness. Um, all right, well, folks, we like to give out some pretty prestigious awards on this podcast. Um, the first is called the Julie Award, which is given to who we feel is. You know the best singer in the movie. We also, on the flip side, have the Russell Crowe Award, which is given to who we feel is the least good singer. Um, and then finally, the Bumlet Award given to those background ensemble members uh, that just absolutely kick, you know, kill it throughout the entire uh, film as well. So, um, Anthony, I'm going to start with you. Who? I mean, honestly, there's not much, not many nominees for these awards. But who gets your who gets your Julie Award for this? Oh, it's it's a flat tie amongst the entire cast it's such an ensemble based vocal piece yeah you know there's so much you know and it's hard when you're watching the movie to discern especially some of those harmonies um and counter melodies whether it's a it's a yitzhak line or a skissop uh vocal line you know i the entire cast of this movie i think gets gets my julie award nomination i think i i'm 100 percent agree with me with you you can't really pick one out of the other out of any of them uh same thing for the russell crowe word i i you know I, it was not applicable for me not applicable no no you know? me either 
<laughs> it's like if I, I think, and also I feel like if I picked someone, I'd, I'd probably get like a you know virtual riot on my hands. So I don't, I want to avoid that. Um, but no, it just, it's just a really, really well sang movie uh, throughout. How about your bumlet award? Did you, just, did you have anybody for your bumlets? You know, I, I have to say, um, Andrew Martin uh, mm, is just mm-hmm. so funny. Um, but also, um, shout out to the to all the the cafe patrons. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, because there are some really, really great moments of just shock and confusion um, during during all these numbers, particularly exactly. right at the top as we're establishing what's going on. Yeah. Um, and Hedwig comes out in the giant like Berlin Wall cape um, with the projections and. And, and Yitzhak is like screaming, you know, at audience <laughs> members. So kudos to them. Whoever did the background casting for it, genius. Kudos to them. Kudos. I loved. I think it's during Sugar Daddy where he's like, he goes up to that one guy and like, you know, puts his tassels in his face. He's like, look, it's a car wash. Like that. <laughs> that just that line just made me laugh so so much. You know, for my bumlet, I, I got to go with that Korean. Um, the Korean women's like, background yes. musicians. Yes. <laughs> I just, the, I just loved that whole scene. Crazy. The Korean sergeant's wives. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the <laughs> band. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Love it. Love it. I mean, and also, I don't know if they have a name in in the movie officially because I know that that um, I guess they are the Angry Inch, but they worked the Tits of Clay band on yes. Broadway. Uh, yep. But, like, all of the facial expressions, all of the little, like, side moments that they that they have, especially with the with the with the passports and all that stuff is, is also really, really great. And they're all phenomenal musicians. And I think that sometimes their acting gets forgotten because they're they're also amazing musicians. Definitely. Definitely. Final question for you, my friend. Should this get a remake? Yes. Yes, yeah. I think it should. Exactly. I, um, I I would be nervous about a remake uh, because I think John Cameron Mitchell is is fairly head big retired, uh, though he is touring and will be in New York City. I think next week singing at Town Hall. Yeah. Numbers, but like, I don't think uh, I don't think he wants to do the show again. Um, so I would be curious. I mean, I would be happy with just about any of the Broadway headbigs that we had recently, um, with the exception of one who I just won't mention because I'll get, like you said, hate mail on the internet. Uh, <laughs> but if anyone saw all the headbigs, you'll know exactly whom I'm talking about. Exactly. Yeah. For those for those true super fans, you'll know exactly. Um, here, no, I definitely feel like this is a, one of those movies where, you know, no, I, I think a remake is definitely warranted. Not because I think the original film, you know, needs improvement upon because it's a great film by itself. Um, I just feel like this this piece just deserves, you know, a, a new life as well beyond you know the the Broadway musical and stuff like that. So, yeah, here's oh, hoping, you know, fingers crossed that that happens, um, you know, down the road because I think it would be just an outstanding. Uh, movie and you know what was nice about the original film a lot of people said you know it's all it's just like you know cult little known film i mean it, it got nominated for a golden globe i mean john Cameron mitchell was nominated for best actor for this so um you know it definitely got you know some a lot of great recognition at the time but 
Yeah, no, I, to your point, I think uh, a, a remake would definitely be fantastic. So, uh, Anthony. But I hope, but I hope it's done as an indie film. That's, yes, that's yes. That's my only thing. It's like, you know, I, as much as I love the, the big films, Hollywood studios, and they've done some phenomenal work, I think this deserves to continue to live in the indie film world. 100% correct. 100%. Anthony, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast today, man. I really thank appreciate it. Thank you so it. much for having me. This, is, this, this has been really, really wonderful. Um, Anthony, real quick before we leave, where mm-hmm. can folks find you on social media if you want to be found? Do you have anything up that you like to plug? It's The floor is yours, sir. Oh, uh, yeah. You can find me on Instagram. It is ALC for Anthony Logan Cole in NYC for New York City. Uh, I think I am the same on Twitter. And you can find me at Anthony Logan Cole uh, on Facebook as well. The show that I recently wrote and directed, The Hidden Ones, just closed after a six-month uh, off-Broadway run here in New York. Uh, we're hoping that the show will come back in the near future. Nothing major that I'm allowed to talk about right now, but like, keep your eyes peeled on social media because I sh- should have an announcement shortly about a new immersive project that I'm working on. And uh, hopefully I'll be back to the musical theater stage at some point in the new future. I also, oh, I totally forgot. I should have not forgotten this. Uh, I just put out an EP. Uh, it's called Anthony Logan Cole, Who I'd Be. It's available on iTunes and Spotify and Bandcamp. It is produced by um, on-stage contributor uh, Melody. Uh, produced that that album, and she's working oh, too. Oh, that's yeah. right, yeah. Yeah, uh, so you can find that. It's $5.00. Uh, and it's got some some fun Broadway tunes on it. Nice. Definitely check that out, folks. So, um, all right. Well, Anthony, thanks again, man. I appreciate it. This is definitely be, hopefully be the first of many podcasts uh, that you'll be on. And, um, yeah, I can't, I can't wait for more. Anthony, thanks again, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Really, really all right. appreciate it. Bye. Folks, we'll see you next week. And in the end, should someone die? <laughs> My arms I bet you want to know why I shot the bastard. You're fucking mad. I hold a PhD in horribleness. See you at the aftermath. Peace.